You are listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. And welcome to Great Men Back Then, where we talk about, you guessed it, great men. Specifically, great men from American history. I'm your host, Lauren Scott. Now, I know what you may be thinking right now. How can it be possible that a college student can possibly judge the character of some of the men in our history and call them great? Especially when many of them had tremendous faults and made loads of mistakes. I mean, for crying out loud, more than half of the founding fathers owned slaves. My response to that would be this. Yes, many of our men in history were flawed and made choices that were most definitely not commendable. But I am here to give you the facts. If we take a closer look into the lives of these men, we can better understand just where they're coming from. A lot of the people we will focus on have lived through more tragedy and more grief than most people in the 21st century will ever know or understand. Wars, adultery, child loss, and illness all play into the effect of how a person lives their life and makes decisions. For greatness is not about the number of mistakes one makes, but the number of times one overcomes those mistakes and perseveres through hardships. Today we will be talking about the 30th President of the United States, Mr. Calvin Coolidge. Today we have Emily Moneyhun, a sophomore studying applied mathematics, here with us. Emily, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Lauren. That is great to hear. Now, I'm going to ask Emily a few trivia questions about Calvin Coolidge. Now, despite the fact you are a math major, how confident are you feeling right now, Emily? So confident. I have never been more ready. Sounds wonderful. All right, Emily. So the first question I'm going to ask you is this. Calvin Coolidge's birthday is the same day something very significant happened in America 96 years earlier. Can you guess what it is? Well, like all great American-born men, I would assume he was born on July 4th. That is correct. He was born on July 4th. Well done, Emily. My next question for you, what was Calvin Coolidge's nickname? This this one I have to go into the recesses of my mind, but I believe his nickname was Silent Cal? That is correct. Calvin Coolidge had the nickname Silent Cal because, as we will learn in today's episode, he was a quiet fellow. My next question for you, how many children did Coolidge have? I'm going to go with uh, 12. Really close. Uh, more like 12 minus 10. He had two. So, a little off there, but that's okay, Emily. I mean, you are a math major, so I don't have very high expectations. <laughs> Just kidding. Emily is very smart. All right, this next question is a true or false. True or false? Coolidge was the 30th president of the United States. True. That was a kind of easy one because I did say that at the beginning of the show, but we're going to give it to you, Emily. All right, I have another true or false. Before Coolidge became president of the United States, he was vice president to Warren G. Harding. That is also true. That is correct, Emily. I promise I didn't even give her the answers to these. She is just, she is really proving herself worthy of this. All right, one more true or false for you, Emily. Coolidge took a one hour nap every day, even while he was president. Um, if he's anything like me, yes. You know what, Emily? 
Uh, that question actually is false because he did not take a one hour nap every day. He took a two hour nap every day. <laughs> so that was kind of a trick question. Um, but you were partially right. So maybe we'll give her half credit for that one. All right. My last question. How many terms did Coolidge serve as president? Mm, I'm going to say he served two terms. That is correct. As many great presidents in the United States following after George Washington, Coolidge only served two terms, even though he easily could have won a re-election in 1928. Anyway, thank you for joining us today, Emily. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you for having me. I had so much fun. All right. Thank you, Emily. Now let's jump into the rest of the life of Calvin Coolidge. Coolidge was born on July 4th, 1872 in Plymouth Notch, Vermont. Wow, we can already see that Coolidge is a very patriotic guy. I mean, he was born on the same day that the Declaration of Independence was signed 96 years earlier. His parents' names were John and Victoria Josephine Moore, and he had one sister named Abigail Grace. Coolidge grew up admiring his father's work ethic and honesty. His father was a local storekeeper as well as a farmer. He had the opportunity to spend a lot of time with him since he would help with many chores at the store as well as their family farm. Although he was extremely close with his sister as well as his mother, the person who influenced him the most was his father. When Coolidge was a young lad, his only dream in life was to be honest and hardworking, just as his father was. Another factor in Coolidge's life that brought him and his father together was the death of his mother and sister. When Coolidge was of the young age of 12, he lost his mother to what was likely tuberculosis. He was very close with his mother, so the pain that followed after was immense. As if the pain of losing his mother was not enough for young Coolidge, when he was 16 years old, Abigail, his one and only sister, died of appendicitis. The tragedies that occurred while Coolidge was a young boy played a big role in the shaping of his personality and nature. He was a very solemn man who rarely spoke unless it was of, of high importance. This is what earned him the nickname Silent Cal. This is another instance where Coolidge was highly influenced by his father. They were similar in nature and character. Young Coolidge grew up watching his father as a respectable man in their community. He taught his son the importance of public service by serving in the Vermont House of Representatives as well as the Vermont Senate. He had a very well-known reputation around the town as an honest farmer, storekeeper, and political figure. Perhaps this is what sparked Coolidge's interest in politics in the first place. Now, Although Coolidge was a quieter, more serious fellow, this did not stop him from bringing much laughter into the lives of anyone that knew him. In 1891, Coolidge started attending the prestigious Amherst College, where he would most definitely gain a reputation for himself. He was most well known for his quick wit and public speaking skills that would even lead him to accept a few awards such as the Junior Prize for Oratory. On top of this, he was also selected by his peers to give the Grove Oration, which was a witty send-off speech he gave at graduation in 1895 when he graduated. 
many of his classmates he grew fond of and admired greatly would later help Coolidge during his political career. So we can see from this that even as a young adult, Coolidge had the ability to make long-lasting relationships with those around him that would later benefit him down the road. After college, Coolidge did what most young men did during this time if they wanted to gain a solid reputation for themselves. He studied law. He studied at a law firm in Northampton, Massachusetts, and in 1897, he passed the bar exam. Soon after that, he opened his own law firm in the same city where he would practice law until 1900. The only thing that stopped this successful lawyer from continuing his practice was bigger opportunities. In 1900, he won a spot on city council where he would serve until 1903 when he won the election as the county clerk. He was then elected as the chairmanship of the local Republican Party organization in 1904. Coolidge would experience his first and only loss at the polls in 1905 when he lost a bid for a seat on the Northampton School Board. However, he quickly recovered from this loss by being elected to state legislator in 1907. In 1910, the citizens of Northampton selected him as their mayor, and then he won a statewide race for the Massachusetts Senate in 1912 serving as Senate president in 1914. After all of these accomplishments, Coolidge was able to move his way up the political ladder by becoming the lieutenant governor in 1916. He would serve there until 1918 when he was appointed governor of Massachusetts. As governor, Coolidge pursued a fairly progressive agenda. He supported a cost of living pay increase for public employees limited the work week for women and children to 48 hours, and placed limits on outdoor advertising, measures largely welcomed by reformers in both parties. Now, that was a lot that I just said, and I don't expect you to remember all of that. But if you get one thing out of all these things that I just mentioned about Calvin Coolidge, just know that he was a very ambitious man and very successful even in his early years and especially in his political affairs. In the midst of all the changes happening in Coolidge's world due to his rise in political power, he was still able to make time for love in his life. In 1905, his landlord introduced him to a young woman named Grace Anna Goodhue. When Coolidge met Goodhue, she was currently teaching at the Clark School for the Deaf. It is safe to say that Coolidge fell madly in love. Upon meeting her, Coolidge said to a friend, quote, Having taught the deaf to hear, Miss Goodhue might cause the mute to speak. End quote. The couple soon married in 1905. The wit and charm of his new wife greatly encouraged him throughout all of his political affairs. The Coolidge couple had two children together, John, who was born in 1906, and Calvin Jr., who was born in 1908. Coolidge was not only an exceptional man in politics, but also an exceptional father to his two sons, which is why I am featuring him on my show, Great Men Back Then, on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. In 1919, 
Coolidge achieved national fame due to the stance he took on the Boston police officer strike. He said, quote, There is no right to strike against the public safety by anyone, anywhere, anytime, end quote. As a result of his stance, this made Coolidge a public symbol of law and order and contributed much to the unexpected selection by the Republican National Convention for vice president in 1920. Although Coolidge had a quit wit that he was very well known for, he never did best in social circles and rarely spoke a word. Once at a dinner party, a woman told him that she made a bet with her friend that she would get more than two words out of him by the end of the night. Coolidge simply stared at the woman and said nothing except, you lose. This is probably one of my favorite stories of Coolidge because we can really see his quick wit and playfulness even with people that he doesn't really know. On August 2nd, 1923, Coolidge was visiting his father in Vermont when he received terrible news of the president's death. Since his father used to hold office as a notary public, Coolidge was able to take the oath of office in his father's parlor at 2.47 a.m. by light of a kerosene lamp. The next day, he returned to Washington as President of the United States. Coolidge did a wonderful job taking responsibility of the new President of the United States. This is why I am featuring him on my show, Great Men Back Then, on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. As president, Coolidge brought a unique style to the White House. Although one may think that Coolidge was shy in his appearance due to his stoicism, this could not be farther from the truth. Coolidge was a very public president who never left the people in doubt that he was in control and would do everything in his power to take care of them. He was loved because of this. During the two terms that Coolidge was president, he held 520 press conferences, an average of eight per month. This made him very personal president to the people of America. On top of having many press conferences, he also spoke on the radio to national audiences monthly. From this, we can see that Coolidge deeply cared that the people of America knew that he was doing everything in his power to serve them and keep them updated on what was going on in their country. He had the ability to make people laugh with his elite sense of humor, but when it came to serious matters, he was grave and dignified. An interesting fact about Coolidge is that he would take daily naps, even whenever he was president of the United States, and this was on top of him already getting eight hours of sleep every single night. However, despite the fact that he was a well-rested man, he was the farthest thing from slothful or lazy. Any issue that passed his desk, he examined diligently and would not stop working until the issue was resolved. Now, although Coolidge did a very great job at solving issues and being an active president, he was still a firm believer in small government and stepped away from many issues in order to let his cabinet or the states solve the problem. Coolidge displayed fervent humility and wisdom by deeming restraint of the executive. Although everything in Coolidge's life seemed to be going great, it did not take long for another sorrow to strike the White House. 
In 1924, Coolidge's sons, John and Calvin, were playing lawn tennis in the yard of the White House. Calvin Jr. made a simple decision without giving any thought to it, but little did he know what would happen next. He decided to wear his tennis shoes without socks. He then noticed a blister on his toe that was becoming rather bothersome. After many trips to all different kinds of doctors, this infection only got worse and Calvin only grew weaker. His blood was infected, and about a week later, Calvin died. We believe that the cause of his death was sepsis, which was something that had no treatment back in the 1920s. The death of Calvin Jr. devastated Coolidge to his very core. It was no secret in the family that out of the two boys, Calvin was his father's favorite. He had his mother's charm and his father's wit. Until now, most of the nation had viewed Coolidge as a rather emotionless figure. However, after the death of his son, the entire nation was absolutely shocked at the emotion that the president showed. He was heartbroken. He wore a black armband for months afterwards. He refused to pay the funeral bill for almost a year because he was struggling to accept the fact that his son was truly gone. One of his friends walked in on him sobbing at his desk one day, mourning the loss of his child. His wife tried her best to be good comfort to him during this time, but nothing could help with the pain. His other son, John, was also away at college during this time, which contributed to his loneliness and depression. After the death of his son, nothing seemed to matter to Coolidge anymore. He easily won the election of 24, but he did not even rejoice. Coolidge wrote, quote, In his suffering, he was asking me to make him well. I could not. When he went, the power and the glory of the presidency went with him. End quote. Despite the eagerness and ambition that left Coolidge when his son died, he was so popular that he was still re-elected in 1924 easily. His quiet spirit and tender care for the country was just what the people longed for during the economically and culturally dynamic 1920s. Coolidge's policies in office continued to be guided by his strong belief in private enterprise and small government. His Republican platform emphasized reducing taxes, collecting foreign debts, passing the protective tariff, opposing farm subsidies for crop prices, enacting the eight-hour workday, banning child labor, and passing a federal anti-lynching law. Coolidge once said, quote, The chief business of the American people is business, end quote. He also rejected U.S. membership in the League of Nations and set high tariffs on imported goods to protect American industry. Now, Coolidge was president during one of my most favorite time periods in American history, the Roaring Twenties. There were many fast-paced technological changes during this time period, which resulted in Americans living their best life with much success in every aspect. Not only was success thriving through the roof, but people were having a lot of fun. The 1920s was the decade of the flappers, a time in which some young women would dance, drink alcohol, and even smoke. A lot of people considered the flappers to be quite immoral, but hey, maybe they were just trying to look for any way to celebrate the fact that they could now vote as of 1920 when the 19th Amendment was passed, allowing women to finally vote. 
Jazz music flourished like never before. More people owned cars in America than ever before. It was a time of family with no wars or major events going on. Coolidge served as a steady father figure during this time. With each speech he gave and interaction he had with the public, the people loved him more and more. As the year 1928 rolled around, Coolidge could have easily won re-election. However, he was not interested in the least bit. A lot of his energy was gone from the stress of being president and also the sorrow he still suffered because of the death of his son. Coolidge was also a man who did not love power or fame, and he also honored George Washington's tradition of only being president for two terms. The nation was very saddened when they learned that Coolidge was not going to run for another term. Coolidge was very much looking forward to simple retirement in his hometown. He spent his days writing his autobiography as well as articles for national magazines. However, Coolidge's retirement only lasted for about four years. On January 5, 1933, Coolidge collapsed in his bedroom due to a heart attack. His wife later found him dead. John Calvin Coolidge, a man of few words, a humble and dignified president, a loyal husband, a caring father, a faithful friend. For all these reasons, I argue he was a great man. Even when the death of his son shattered his world, he still fulfilled his duty to the American people with honor and dignity. He was well deserving of the love he received from the American people. Thank you for listening to Great Men Back Then, where we talk about great men who shaped our nation into what it is today. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode about Calvin Coolidge and even learned something new. There's a lot we can learn from examining the lives of men who have gone before us. Perhaps if people in politics had the same humility and the same dignity that Coolidge had, we would have less animosity and less problems in our everyday lives. Come back next week to hear about a man who was born a slave and through his hard work and perseverance became one of the most well-known men in U.S. history. Any guesses? Well, I suppose you'll just have to come back next week and find out. Again, you have been listening to Great Men Back Then with your host, Lauren Scott, on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM.